Hi, and welcome to the Real Girls Club. My name's Lucy, and for today's episode, I interviewed Ita O'Brien. Ita O'Brien is an intimacy coordinator and movement director for film and TV. She's worked on probably some of your favourite TV shows over the past year, including Normal People, Sex Education, I May Destroy You and It's a Sin. In today's episode, we talk all about her career as an intimacy coordinator and how she got to where she is today and what it consists of being an intimacy coordinator on film and TV sets. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast to talk about your career as an intimacy coordinator. Fun fact, I remember meeting you a couple of years ago at the Cannes Film Festival at a Women in Hollywood event um, in 2018. So like before the pandemic um, and everything, so it's been a break and now the festival's back on again. But yeah, I remember meeting you there because there's a lot of people like going around, but you really like struck my attention the most because you were just so enthusiastic about your career and I was like what is this intimacy coordinator like I'd never heard of it before and I was so like intrigued um and I just I remember you being like almost like an excited kid about it like and that's a compliment in a good way and I was like yeah I remember taking your business card and I was like I feel like this is going to be useful later and I've just like been seeing seeing your name pop up so much in the past couple of years and you sort of came around at the right time I think so did you know like all those years ago that you were going to be so pioneering and what you were doing did you know like at that time well so first of all it's lovely to be here and then that's great um that, that we met at Cannes and Cannes was was full on because um um what was it was it May wasn't it um mm-hmm. 2018 and I think I'd possibly had a first day on set on sex education but um but obviously nothing was out that, that I'd worked on and also those mm-hmm. productions sex education and gentleman jack were the first two productions that I got invited in to work on as an intimacy coordinator. And they were tough because, you know, while I developed the work and been teaching the work in drama schools and teaching workshops in, you know, to professionals in the industry, I hadn't actually delivered, you know, the intimacy process mm-hmm. for a production um, across the board. So, so that was a huge, huge learning curve. Um, but it's, but it's so lovely to hear your reflections because, um, because I suppose, um, I'd, um, so, so for me, the work came from in a very organic way. I was developing or I was, I was working on a device piece of work, looking at the dynamic of the perpetrator and the victim from 2014 and looking at putting in place best practice. Then I got asked by my colleague, Meredith Dufton, to teach what I was developing at Mountview, one of the drama schools, to her students. And then I co-worked with Vanessa Ewan, who's the senior lecturer in movement or one of the senior lecturers in movement at Central School of Speech and Drama, had already had the inspiration of um, seeing a fight rehearsal and seeing the mm-hmm. time and the space that was given and the process of clear choreography um, and techniques taught. Um, so I co-worked with her, was mentored by her. Um, so I'd only just sort of, you know, I, I, I shared the work with the Personal Managers Association, which is a group of agents in, in the UK in June of 2017 and then started talking to British Equity, and then of course Weinstein happened, and then that shift. But it was still really early days, and sort of, you know, sort of you know, a big part of my work or my focus, just like here, is is um on education and you know education in the industry mm-hmm. of sharing what the work is and how it works. Although um although interestingly through the year of lockdown, with the productions that have come out that then I had worked on throughout to. 2019 into early 2020 
such as, you know, obviously sex education, but normal people, I may destroy you, it's a sin. Um, and those productions really, you know, hitting that or capturing the audience's imagination. Um, they've gone a long way mm-hmm. to, um, to helping the role to be understood and to see actually, you know, what when you just work openly, professionally with a professional process, with the intimate content, given the actor the opportunity to to um, bring all of their skills as the actor to and to and really serve character, um, mm-hmm. and then also really serve the director's vision. You know the kind of work that you can create and the kind of storytelling that you can bring, um, and the impact that that can have. How did you sort of come to be the intimacy coordinator that you are today? Was it uh, it was quite a gradual thing? Like was it something you always thought you wanted to get into? Or, uh, yeah, what was your career path, your education path? So, yeah, my journey in this profession is I've danced since I was, um, my mum sent me to ballet at the age of three. I ended up training as a, as a dancer. I worked as a musical theatre dancer for 10 years um, throughout the 80s. Um, and then um, I retrained at Bristol Obic as an actor in 96 um, to 98 and then worked as an actor for eight years. And then my kids were young, didn't want to keep traveling around the country um, as an actor. So I sort of found the MA in movement studies. So trained to be a movement teacher and a movement director, which brought all of my skills as a dancer, all of my skills as a as an actor into teaching movement to um, actors and movement directing on film and TV. Um, so that I was, you know, absolutely immersed in that and, and loving it and still do absolutely love um, teaching movement to actors. I love that embodiment, that sharing of the delight of being present in the body, the um, precision and the detail you can bring into the body, the rigor in order to be able to have your body under your command, um, you, know, so, you know, and then physical transformation, you know, either, you know, physically transforming to really be this character's physicality, this character's mm-hmm. energy. Um, and then I was just, you know, like I say, you know, and I also wrote my own work and was doing a device piece of work and it was um it was in that device piece of work looking at the dynamic of the perpetrator um but then i like i say i was looking at what practices and principles did i need to put in place to have a really good and robust rehearsal process to help my actors to bring the best of themselves be really present and conscious with that exploration and that became the basis of of the intimacy guidelines you know and, and like i say sort of been asked to teach it in drama schools and then gradually codify what I was teaching and then having that ready to go look here here is the intimacy onset guidelines um you know and it happening then you know or already you know talking to British equity sharing the work with a group of aid with the PMA um and then Weinstein allegations happening and the subsequent times of the meeting movement and in that you know the aftermath of that um you know the industry going we have to do better we can't turn a blind eye predatory behavior the creation of the codes of conduct in that in that environment then the industry was going and how do we do the intimate content well and i was there ready to mm-hmm. say here are the intimacy onset guidelines that allow us to work openly professionally bringing a professional structure to the intimate content bringing in just what you would do to a fight there's a there's a risk assessment someone's asked to be semi-naked or fully naked if someone's asked to have their intimate body um touched um, if someone's asked to perform simulated sexual content, there is a risk to that. There's a vulnerability mm-hmm. to that. We need to do risk assessment and we need to um, allow our actors to have agreement and consent as to what is OK for them. And actually inviting that in, in a positive way, saying, tell us your no, tell mm-hmm. us your boundaries as a positive thing 
whereas before that it was considered negative for that to say mm -hmm. no in any way shape or form so yeah so just that shift to to the industry saying um you know through the process of agreement and consent within the intimacy guidelines we're inviting your no your no mm -hmm. is a positive it really sounds like your um studies and work as a movement um, director and working in theater really taught you that sensitivity to working with people and their bodies so closely because i don't think just anybody could do that you know it takes someone that's really mature uh, emotionally and be able to work with people in that um in that capacity so would you say that yeah you've it gave you that sensitivity to work with others and and about something so well it's called intimacy coordination so about something that's so intimate you know to to everyone yeah it's lovely that you have that awareness you're absolutely right it takes you know the holding of the space and and the holding and the responding to the different um practitioners you know within a production um it is it take, takes maturity because what we want to do is to answer to everybody to be at, in within the process of open communication is listening to everybody, listening to what their concerns are, listening to what they want artistically and creatively, and then and then you know creating that level playing field so that by the time we get on set or we get into a rehearsal room in theatre, that everybody's understood, everything's known, and we can work openly mm -hmm. and creatively. You know, but everybody has a different focus. You know, like the way or the concerns of the producer are very different to the concerns of the director. You know, mm -hmm. and then wardrobe department. You know, they they are the experts in you know in how to take care of the actor regarding nudity, all the di different um, degrees of modesty garments, how to keep an actor warm. You know, so, so so we're working how to work with a first AD who will be absolutely practiced at holding a close set. You know, those are, these are collaborations that the intimacy coordinator is connecting with, co-working with, um, and yes, it takes maturity. And then, mm -hmm. as you say, it takes practitioners who who are choreographers, who know bodies, who know anatomy. And um, so, yeah, and it's all of that that, that gets brought into the role. And, and I have people who are inspired by the work, but who perhaps are coming either straight out of drama school or straight out of university saying, now I want to be training to be an intimacy coordinator. I'm saying, go yeah. away for 10 years, get 10 years experience and come back and go, oh, really? Because <laughs> you were saying that you work with the wardrobe department, producers, casting as well, I'm assuming, and AD. So how do you sort of manage all those relationships and have you ever you don't have to name names but have you ever had challenges with certain people that are just like you know it, it takes away the spontaneity for example like I'm not saying it does that but they might think that it does and how do you manage those challenges with people that maybe don't really know how to deal with you taking that control over what are sometimes quite big scenes in films or tv shows so yes I've had many times to the extent that there have been periods where I've just gone I can't keep doing this I walk away from set and I just wow. go yeah I just go it's, it's too much it's, it's too hard it's <laughs> taking too much of an impact um but 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 what's been lovely that particular end of 2019 into 2020 when that there was a real crux where productions then you know so very uh, in, uh, in 2019, there's lots of productions that were asking for the work and then were listening to what I was offering as to how it would work and then putting that in place. Mm -hmm. um, but um, then, there, then there came a period where the big overseeing producers would be saying, you have to have an intimacy coordinator, but the people on the productions weren't interested, didn't research, didn't know about it and didn't want it. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and, they, you know, and that was really tough. You know, that there was... 
um, one production where they had supporting artists with a certain degree of nudity. They were all um, in very close contact with each other. So I was, you know, putting in place genitalia patches and, and pouches and things. And then I was told by the producer, no, no, they've been, they need to be completely naked, naked penises. The guidelines are this. And they were going, look, the production wants as much nakedness and as much sexual content as they can. Um, they're not going to get it from the main cast. So they're going to get it from this lot. And I'm going, okay, well, that kind of language and that kind of attitude isn't the, it's, you know, that's not a creative focus that I want to work with. I've had a look at your, your intimacy on set guidelines, about 15 of them, but then there's also like sub, sub guidelines, a pair guideline. So is that something you, I mean, I'm assuming you go over and you hand over to the production before beginning a production and, and yeah, I guess it's that, at that point that you'd hope that they know what they're doing and then later on they're not going to say things and change their mind like actually no we want it like this because then that puts you in a position where it's difficult to get through well well um you know and again you know you know it's been such early days you know sort of like I say well my first production was in April 2018 so it's 18 19 20 73 years you know three and a bit years down the line yeah and a big part of, of my work and my work with my fellow intimacy coordinators is this constant interrogation of when has it gone well? You know, what's, you know, what's worked, what's the process? And most importantly, when has it not gone well? When has there not been communication happened? When has there not been a really good um, gender parity in a closed set put in place? When do we need to have those conversations? And invariably it always means if it's gone wrong there, we need to have that conversation right back then. When the check-ins happen, you know, and they need to happen across the board with producer, director, actors, you know, but things like, um, you know, when to have that conversation about possibly gender parity in a closed set mm-hmm. when there, you know, a, an intimate scene happening. It's too late to have it the week before, you know, if, if you need to get different personnel onto a closed set, then that needs to be considered as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that now is in within my process is that as head of department, as the intimacy coordinator, I'm at the production meeting, and then I will share the work with the whole of the crew. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to share it with the director and the actors. Actually, on the productions where I've shared how the process of the intimacy guidelines work with the whole of the crew, those productions are the ones that um that actually means that everything runs smoothly, the process is understood and known, and then we mm-hmm. can just get on and, and create good work. Mm-hmm. What I've read online, I've watched a lot of videos, and like you're even you're in French media, you're on UK media, and of course I recently watched the speech by Michaela Cole, and she dedicated her speech to you, which was just amazing that she did that, and um, you know, it's really great for you as well to to acknowledge that it's something that's important going forward, that it should be on every film or TV set. It was often compared online to what you do was often compared to having a stunt coordinator on set, for example, like you wouldn't go without that. You wouldn't want to put people in danger. So it's to me, it almost seems like, yeah, it does make sense to have that. So I don't know why some people wouldn't want to get on board. And I mean, yeah, it's probably more difficult with certain members of the crew, but I'm sure the actors are very much on board with it because they probably find it, you know, these scenes quite embarrassing or difficult you know to show parts of themselves so to have you there I'm sure they're probably the people that appreciate it the most more than anyone um well this I mean like the 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 big part of of the job is that adapting that adaptation um you know so 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 the process of the guidelines are the guidelines but actually that the the body of the job is is then that inner listening that body listening that awareness of where people's vulnerabilities are how to mitigate those vulnerabilities, how to help them be listened to and heard, 
and then putting in place best practice so that everybody feels comfortable. Um, so sometimes it does mean that an incredibly empowered actor who's been in the business for like 30, 40 years, they won't need the same degree of, or the same yeah, degree of holding and support that somebody who's just come out of drama school needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and how, you know, if those, if those two performers are working together, someone who's incredibly comfortable and empowered and someone who's more vulnerable, then how do you listen to that? How do you, how do you bring a, a balance to, to that? And, and also what, while we offer, you know, I, I, I will say, you know, so the intimacy guidelines are the structure that we offer. Yes. And then each, each, each um, director, you know, actor takes of that what's going to serve them. You know, mm-hmm. so, so so the process, like, so, um, you know, we have a very formal process of agreeing and consent of touch, you know, so once we've discussed the scenes of getting up on its feet and going, right, you know, asking for touch, doing it, breathing into it, checking out it's still okay. But for mm-hmm. some people who are really embodied or perhaps they've worked together for ages, you know, on a, on a production and um, and they've got comfortable with each other and we, we can, we, we've got a shortcut. Mm-hmm. So, so, it's, um, so, so that's the skill and, and that's where, in my process of mentoring my intimacy coordinators in training that I have, um, they have to do um, a minimum of 50 days on set over a minimum of five productions um, with a, a maximum of 25 on any 25 days on any one production. Because of course, once a production gets to know how you work, then the, the you know, that's not challenging you as to how you work. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, and I was talking to one of my lovely intimacy coordinators who's actually in Australia. I've got a whole group in Australia, New Zealand, as well as in Europe and the UK and America and Canada, you know, but she was saying, thank goodness that you ask for a minimum of 50, because she said, you know, just realising what I know now, you know, and actually what the holding is, is, is that listening to each and every person and then how mm-hmm. you adapt, how you offer and how you hold that space, giving everybody what they need. It's like um, flight hours almost, you know, that experience on set to really know what you're doing and feel confident with it and with everyone else uh-huh. on set. That's right. I was also surprised to learn reading online as well that it's because for me, I thought it was just um, sexual scenes, but it's also just anything that involves touch, whether it's a hug, maybe a handshake, I don't know, or like a touch on the shoulder or something like between fam- well, people that are acting to be family members. So, yeah, it's at every level then. So, yeah, intimacy when you come through to touch and or nudity. So people having a bath, you know, biggie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um yeah, people having showers. Um, but yes, you know, if you've got um, adult actors and child actors playing mum and dad and family, how do you get that lovely interplay of, you know, familial touch? You know, if you look at, I was on the tube and just looking at, you know, a two-year-old sat on their mother's lap with her legs open and their mother's hands right up high on the thighs, you know, um, that lovely release of, of that baby, that child into the mother's belly, all of that tells us instantly, you know, trust, connection, yeah. you know, sort of love, nurturing, um, you know, release, um, you know, how, how do you nurture that? How do you journey to, to find that kind of physicality with people who don't know each other, um, you know, and, um, and journeying, you know, again, working with children is a very delicate journey, um, so of course you're working with that child's parents and or, sh- or guardians, um, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that not just what they do, but how they're spoken to, what the content of the, of the production is, that that's all journey to in, in a really appropriate way for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you could have um, childbirth, you know, call your, you know, anytime that you have someone, anybody having a procedure done to their body in hospitals, you know, particularly have you someone's worked, unconscious. Sorry, have you worked yet on a, a film or a scene where there's been childbirth? Well, I, I, I worked on Master of None that's come out just recently on season three. And okay. of course there we've got lots of um, sort of an episode four has that whole progression of the IVF procedures. Um, you know, so of course it's incredibly vulnerable making for someone to be in stirrups, you know, with the legs open, the sense of that. Yeah. Um, Even if you're acting, it still feels very much real, um, I can imagine. Incredibly, inc incredibly vulnerable making, incredibly important. We worked very closely with the expert IVF practitioners, um, you know, and the people who, you know, experts, you know, people who did the scans. Um, so we make sure that we get the detail and the procedures right, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's where Zansari was absolutely on it to make sure that the that the detail of the physicality that was portrayed told the right storytelling, that, that the anatomy tells the right storytelling exactly the same. So, you know, mm -hmm. making sure that the anatomy and the detail of the choreography tells the right storytelling. So working really closely with the expert midwife, you know, about, you know, what, 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 what actually happens and then also emotional, emotionally and psychologically. So, you know, on any production that there's emotionally challenging subjects, material that I am, um, you know, I'll be very clear that while I can recognise, um, you know, sort of someone who's becoming vulnerable or, or is experiencing triggering due to a particular, you know, storyline that a character is going through, I'm not a counsellor um, or an artist wellbeing practitioner. So I identify that with the with the cut with the production, and then we'll co-work and bring in an artist wellbeing practitioner, mm -hmm. as I did. When I may destroy you in this production. I'm working here at the moment. I've, you know, that the top secret. Yes, with an artist <laughs> practitioner as well. So, so all of that is very important regarding, um, you know, making sure that the whole package is um is considered. The actors are not just kept safe, safe, but kept free and open and creative, empowered and autonomous, so that they can mm -hmm. continue to 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 create their best work. I was thinking that intimacy coordination compared to something like costume or. Uh, makeup or for example on film and um, it's something visual that you can really see have you noticed when you've watched something that's definitely not had an intimacy coordinator can you tell the difference when there has been one and when there is one or is it something that goes unnoticed because it should look natural and obviously we don't really see the process that goes behind getting these people prepared for these scenes do you know what lucy you've got such brilliant insight so yeah, I was talking to my, my partner, sort of with the awards coming out, and they're the ifties were there, and I was saying about sort of, you know, stunt coordinators, stunt coordinators, choreographers and movement directors don't get awards, and I think they should. Um, I was going to say, yeah, I hope to see intimacy coordinators get awards at some point. I know, I know, this is it, you know, and sort of, you know, seeing, seeing the productions, you know, that I feel like, you know, where I have I've had a positive impact, and, um, you know, but, but, but your awareness is absolutely right, and it's an interesting aspect of, all the movement practitioners input you know that um i, I actually when i was at i i can um in 2018 i met the um the the guy who started off imdb and i said ah, to him, yes. i've been wanting to write to you for for years um you know because as a movement director and a choreographer um i'm down a miscellaneous crew and actually um my daughter did some some days running as a work experience and she put her her credit up on that production that I worked on as an intimacy coordinator. And um, there we were next to each other. There's me with 38 years professional experience as mm -hmm. a dancer, actor, movement director, movement teacher, and now intimacy coordinator. And I'm there next to someone who's as had a miscellaneous crew. 
as miscellaneous crew. And I said to him, please, 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 can you, you know, you've got stunt coordinators, they've got their title on IMDb and their stunt coordinator, stunt practitioner, all your, you know, people, we need to have choreographers, movement directors, and then intimacy mm -hmm. coordinators need to be up there. Yeah, definitely. That's still, look at Alex Reynolds in The Theory of Everything. Eddie Redmayne has, you know, spoken about how he could not have calibrated that journey through to, um, you know, the condition of, um, uh, what's the character that he plays? Um, um, Stephen Hawking. He could not have calibrated that physicality without amazing expert input of Alex Reynolds. Um, Francesca James on, um, oh, with Jude Law in um, American Gigolo. You know, mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful detail of precision yeah. of choreography. Again, but um, but that's what happens with the movement stuff. That when it's right, you know, when it. I I, I did the um, I, I did an interview with Mark Commode on Monday, which was an absolute joy. But one of the first things things he said to me was, "You worked on the girl with all the gifts," and mm -hmm. I did. I co worked. I was the assistant movement director with the amazing Dan O'Neill, helping mm -hmm. to create the movement of the Hungries, which is the zombies. But again, if it's done right, just you just sit back and it's a given, you just go, yes, this feels, you know, we have a, it creates a genre, it creates a quality of movement, it creates, you know, a character that you just buy into. Um, but but each of those roles absolutely needs to be recognised. It was interesting, actually, a magazine said to me, because they'd like to interview me, I was very delighted. And then they sent me 10 intimate scenes and said, right, we want you to, to rate these intimate scenes from best to worst. What you'd be great on next is one of those YouTube videos where they say, please rate these intimate scenes with, and no, you wouldn't do that. No, because you see, just what you're asking, what your awareness, what ends up on camera completely might, might belie how that work was, was created. Ah. So, so like there's one intimate scene that's I think an absolutely stunning intimate scene where they're having, you know, stolen a moment of intimacy in a library. She's got the most beautiful silk dress on. She lifts the knee, the silk falls down her thigh. The, the camera comes down to the, to the foot, the shoe drops. It, those moments are just beautiful. So I started researching that scene and then that actress was on an interview program and she was saying, oh, but we were in the middle of doing the scene and the director says, and now wank him off and she and <laughs> out at her and she was going, oh, oh, what am I supposed to do? Oh. And I'm going, oh my goodness, that is uh, not good practice. That's not what we want. No, no, no. You don't want to take someone by surprise like that with no. something last minute. That's right. So I was, so that as a scene that out of all of them would have been perhaps one of my scenes that I'd have said is, is a really superb scene. Then I was, I was quite surprised when I found out mm -hmm. that that's what we've gone on behind, you know, in the creation of it. Yeah. I, I, I do hope though that, you know, and that's where I really do feel both how, uh, um, you know, things like normal people, it's a sin where, and I may destroy you, where you can feel that you can sit back as an audience and just enjoy these characters intimate moment these character storytelling has been because those actors have been journeyed through in a professional way mm -hmm. have been able to stay um knowing that they are personally taken care of so that they can artistically stay focusing on character and then that what's it, what results in the intimate content mm -hmm. you know having that impact being done in a way that we can stay really investing in these characters during these intimate moments um, and I really believe that at, certainly at times before intimacy coordination was 
in the industry, you know, the times that we as an audience would sit squirming and feeling uncomfortable watching an intimate scene was because mm-hmm. actually we were feeling those actors personally feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely more reassuring for the audience, I think, as well, to watch, as well as, of course, the crew and the actors. This is it. And, and then the narrative, you know, like, you know, um, once those productions are out, you know, with I May Destroy You, having the lovely Papa, as I do, been able to speak about, you know, the support and how how comfortable he was in the creation of the intimate scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's very important. That sort of So an audience can stay feeling more comfortable in watching it, even if what they're watching is 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 moments that are are abusive content mm-hmm. they can still say enjoying that journey of the character in in that experience rather than being concerned for yeah. who those people are as, as 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 themselves as people yeah those are actually one of the t- you've mentioned a few tv shows um that i'd love to touch on a little bit because um over the past year of quarantine, my favourite shows have been Normal People, has been Sex Education, has been I May Destroy You, so every single one you've worked on. And more recently, I watched It's a Sin, which I like binge-watched in a day. I thought it was fantastic. And I think what all these shows have in common is that they are about young people and directed to young people, I think. I mean, of course, older people can watch them too, of course. But yeah, how do you... I mean, yeah, I could talk about each of the shows, but primarily I'll talk about... Um, sex education and I may destroy you but in sex education I mean these are young people in high school and I mean it's great that you got to work with them in that capacity to make them feel comfortable in something that they're probably quite new and young actors and yeah how did you go about working with the young actors and how did they all feel about working on a program about sex and working with an intimacy coordinator? Well so obviously sex education is very close to my heart and I'm so grateful to them because that was the first production that actually invited me in as an intimacy coordinator and that was in April 2018 and you know um, what was really important again was to uh, you know I said to to the amazing John Jennings and Ben Taylor you know the best thing I can do is to share this work with the whole of the cast that's that's cast to date and the directors and the first ADs first second third ADs and they listened to that and that's what we did that we had a day where I shared the work and then we got it up on its feet and I'd identified different scenes for the actors to do the director of the second block was present Kate Heron amazing beautiful director the whole day so she also really got the process they um first um third ADs the DOPs um and 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 that's what you know sort of that that um, that being able to share and then everybody being on the same page and being able to understand the process and then work openly within that um, professional structure physical transformation serving detail of storytelling um so what keeps them safe is everybody understanding uh, or being able to share the process of the guidelines with them share how we work mm-hmm. build build that trust not just with me and with them but with the d- directors with the dops with the first ad's um, and the actors with each other. And then that meant that we were able to sort of hit the ground running as it, as it were, because we'd had that incredible day of sharing of the work. Um, and then that, um, and then knowing that we, you know, how we were gonna work openly professionally with each other, focusing on this amazing storytelling, you know, the, the beautiful writing of Laurie Nunn, you know, the edginess, you know, which, you know, the excitingness of lifting the lid of on intimate content that so many of young people just, end up feeling they should know already or turning to the adult industry to 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 learn from um and like you say where it has been such a joy in you know like people in poland are saying sex edu- the product the program sex education is the whole of that country's sex education in france it's um, massive as well 
I see it all the time in memes on billboards or like everything in France they love sex, sex education as well fantastic so the other show I'd love to talk about quickly is um I May Destroy You which was another one of my favorites last year um favorite for different reasons because it was just so something so new I'd like I'd never seen before on 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 TV and some scenes were so quite difficult to watch and also scenes that I'd never seen before on TV like I just said but um yeah like seeing periods and things like that and sex with periods and all these different things I was like I haven't really seen this being done and of course Michaela Cole's um story is more delicate because she's actually experienced some of the things that happened in the show in real life and she's been open and quite clear about that and everything she says about it she's not holding back so I think it's really amazing that she's been so confident to share that with people um and raise awareness and and help for other people that have been through the same thing so is it different for you coordinating something with someone that's actually been through abuse assault you know compared to someone that hasn't like how did you work with her and so she felt safe and comfortable on set so it's really important that um that I work within my skills so whenever there's challenging subject matter I'm very clear that you know particularly in the, you know, the process of about talking about a scene or, you know, that process of getting up and having that agreement and consent of touch, body listening um, to not just what someone says, but how they say it and noticing uh, or being able to identify if someone's being triggered or is going somewhere where, where it's making them feel vulnerable. Um, but whenever there's challenging subject matters, you know, I'd be very clear, this is my skill. And then I've identified this risk as it were. And then I co-work with an artist wellbeing practitioner and I've been co-working with a lady called Louise Platt since 2015. Um, and, um, and so whenever there is challenging subject matters, you know, I'd be really clear with the production and I say, oh, this is who I co-work with. This is part of my team that is a resource for me and that I can go, right, I've identified this and then this is where I need to co-work with, with um, that kind of practitioner who, can, um, who has the skills to, to help that actor or, or it could be anybody in the crew, it could be the DOP, it could have been could be anybody, you know, who who might be triggered by that subject matter. I'm um, mm -hmm. also having that pathway with the production, so it's really important with the production if there's going to be challenging subject matter being filmed to flag it up in a good enough time. Mm -hmm. You know, so on a really on a production I worked on recently with with um had a moment of oral rape, full on. Um, they they co-worked with a counsellor regarding the writing, but then they um, flagged up a week before that scene was going to be filmed. Um, on the call sheet, you know, that this is the subject matter that's going to be filmed. Um, anybody who wants to identify themselves that might need support around it or who might need to step away and not be present on that day. And here's a counsellor with whom we are co-working on this production who, if you need to, that you can get support. So that kind mm -hmm. of, those kind of processes are really important. Um, and then for me with the actor, in choreographing those scenes, it's even more important that the physical structure of those scenes are really clearly anchored. That there's really really clear choreography given um with no emotion whatsoever you completely separate out so we're just like you know walking through and um, you know just as people do when you do um um you know fights where, you, where you'll do it mm -hmm. slow motion you know sort of, ah, okay yeah like break everything down to like very yeah. slow motion yeah. and you tie chi it you know you do it mm -hmm. slow motion. that you do the same with that kind of content so the structure and the shape and particularly if there's either co-working with a stunt coordinator if there's sort of like on on the scene with Papa and um playing Kwame and Malik 
there's a moment where mm -hmm. he holds the other wrist so you make sure that the person who's holding the wrist just creates the frame and the okay. person who's being held they're the ones that 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 push in so they're the ones mm -hmm. that control the energy those kind of techniques but you need to practice those because they're, they're they're counterintuitive mm -hmm. but it's really important that you put those in place and then when you get the emotional journey that aggression that um that the actors the actors personally really safe mm -hmm. and then artistically they can really give themselves to the emotional journey that that scene requires mm -hmm. and then the last thing is at the end of the day we always put, bookend it so like yeah, so it's even more important in um to sort of yeah put the space that you're <clears throat> filming like separate it from real life that's right when you read the the script by Michaela what were your thoughts was it something you'd ever seen before well probably something not like anything you'd worked on before well to, to, to be honest what was anything so if I say when I read the script what was incredible about what Michaela created was its constant ongoing unfurling discovering of itself as we were going along and as you know, I, I didn't know how many, you know, rewrites, but sort of in the press, when, after it came out, I think Michaela said that she did something like 174 rewrites. And, and, and so in particular, that's what was, you know, was astound, was, was, you know, so I worked a lot in theatre and then in film and normally in film, you know, it's sort of like you did deliver the script and there's less room. Well, okay, so in, if you think of working in theatre, where absolutely you've got the script, but because you've got that time and space, you've got that unfurlingness of what the director wants, what the script is, what the actors bring to it, and things morph and shift and change and develop, you know, in a very exciting way. Um, whereas on TV and film, because the script's sort of there, and while, while it might develop, it's, you know, because of the time constraint, there isn't so much of that development. Whereas mm -hmm. with Michaela, there was absolutely that support and with her being in it in all fashions, you know, she was executive producer, mm -hmm. co-director, writer and starring in. But but within that, then there was a, a real sense of unfurling and unrumbling and, and discovery of, of the script as we were going along. And yeah, then each of those scenes just, you know, I mean, like, what's fantastic, isn't it, in particular is, is, is black and white is one thing, but of course, most of our you know, challenging and abusive moments happen in those in the grey area, don't they? In, in the yeah, I heard her mention that in one of the scenes actually, when she's in the circle with all the other women talking about the grey area. Yeah, or yeah. on the being on the line. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I and then I must admit, as a viewer, while I had been there and I'd choreographed each and every one of the iterations of that her imagining in episode twelve, I was just blown away by it in particular. I just yeah. Thought, you know that it really um, deserved all the all the awards and more yeah, to be honest an, an amazing actor who plays um who plays the perpetrator and I always forget his name which is really really it was Lewis Reeves I texted Lewis just recently because I, I hadn't ever said and he, he said I've never felt so comfortable doing uncomfortable things I mean um, yeah because he was playing a difficult not a very well, nice character yeah and and um you know and again again that iteration of um the, the iteration where he breaks down in that, you know, and he has her up against the wall and then he gradually breaks down. And you can hear that actually he was abused by his dad, you know, himself. And then he comes mm -hmm. back and, and Lewis's journey through the beats of that and then back to, yeah. Um, and again, that's, you know, that so often is the case, isn't it? That someone that ends up being a perpetrator is actually because that's the, that's the, um, the, the behavior that they've been shown before. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, it's truly, exactly. truly, 
you know, she's just fantastic. I can't wait to see what she does next. To be honest, I love chewing gum as well, which is slightly different to I May yeah. Destroy You, but I enjoyed that as well. What advice would you have for somebody that might want to become an intimacy coordinator? As you were saying before, it's not something you can just leave school and become straight away. So what qualities are you looking for when you're looking for an uh, intimacy coordinator? What characteristics? So, so be in the business for 10 years, first of all. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but seriously, for me, the first thing is you have to know the actor-director process. This comes from interrogation of script, serving the director's vision, yeah, supporting the actor, be a character, you know, that the bog standard actor's interrogation of a script. Why is that scene there? Who, what, when, where, where? Why? You know, why is that scene there? How is it pushing the storytelling forward? What's it telling us about the character and the character in relationship? That, you know, what's the intention? What's the obstacle? Mm-hmm. Where does that sit in the body? So that, that, that actor-director process knowing first. Um, and then you need to be body practitioners. You know, so as well as being um, a movement teacher, a movement director, I'm a holistic massage therapist, on-site massage therapist and reflexologist. And then all of those health and safety awarenesses, um, um, anti-harassment and bullying, conflict resolution, unconscious bias. Um, but that's part of what we teach, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, LGBTQ awareness. Um, yeah. And then and then body knowledge, body skills, choreography um, <clears throat> and then not just dance choreography, but sort of all the different aspects of an actor's, you know, physicality, like Michael Chekhov's psychological gesture, Laban, five rhythms, animal work. Um, yeah, so all of that. So, uh, yeah, and then and then a maturity to be able to hold the space and, um, yeah, and to be able to, to listen and identify. So it takes someone with a lot of, a lot of skills to be a really good intimacy coordinator. You know, you've got a training school and now you're training up intimacy coordinators. So where do you hope to see the future go for for females in cinema? Not just females, actually, sorry, male and females, because intimacy coordination can help for all genders. So where do you see it going? Where do you hope to see it going? Do you want to be opening more schools, training more people, workshops? Like what things are you seeing in the future or just one day at a time, maybe for now? So, so, so yes and yes, yes one day at a time and yes, you know, I mean like when I started sharing about this work I was saying my hope is within five years that there will be, you know, inherent within the industry, the intimacy coordination or the intimacy onset guidelines and the role of the intimacy coordinator. I feel that that's happened, you know, quicker than that. Um, however, of course, also because of COVID, we've now need to scrabble to catch up. I've had to halt my training programs of intimacy coordinators because we couldn't be in person. Um, I feel it's it is a body art. I need to see people in the space, not just with what they do, but how they hold the space. So, mm-hmm. so there, we've now got a backlog. And sort of with, in the times of COVID, while then there's been these impact of these productions and them saying, yes, okay, we'll have an intimacy coordinator. Then I've, you know, then there's been a lag and then how I've been able to train up intimacy coordinators. I am looking at, well, actually I'm working SAG after in America and myself are looking at, not just how to train intimacy coordinators, but how the trainers of intimacy coordinators are regulated. So just like a stunt coordinator, also that recognition that, so my pathway to training takes about two years. Mm-hmm. You know, and it should take two years because as you recognised, it's a complex role. Um, so um, so how, we, how we standardise the accreditation of the trainers and then how we standardise that the, that the process of, um, you know, that the structure of the training um, is, is a biggie. For me, I want, you know, practitioners who declare themselves to be intimacy coordinators to all be at the top of their game, for us all be to be working 
with the right intention with best practice and the thing is of course with anything new there's lots of people that that have seen the explosion and the, and the, the need and have perhaps sat on me with with zoom i've had this this year where people have ex mm -hmm. have done a session with me on zoom where I, my intention is to share the process so they can integrate it into their practice be it as an actor or a director and then i hear that they've presented themselves to netflix as an intimacy coordinator okay so they've just yeah okay and it's not really they're not really qualified they've just no, four hours talk on zoom does not make you an intimacy coordinator but unfortunately yeah. that's happening at the moment and also because there's a, a need for it and and it's chicken and egg so but i know I, I now need to just take a step back and go i'm doing my best to train people up but that is the intention is to gradually you know sort of you know I'm, like i say i've been developing you know, not just the role of the intimacy coordinator, but then the pathway through to training. Mm -hmm. And um, and all I can do is just endorse the people who I know to be good practitioners that I trust. And um, and like I say, there are people who have either just sat on for four hours or equally during COVID, there are people who were on my pathway, but they were saying, tell me that I'm accredited. And I'm going, but everything's <laughs> shut down. You haven't, you haven't had a single day on set. There's no way I can tell you that you're accredited. I've done my stage two training. You're not mentored and you haven't got experience. And they then left my training program and have set up and declared themselves to be intimacy coordinators. Concerns me, yeah. Concerns me that they're people with no experience. But yes, I just have to know that it takes its time and mm -hmm. I'm setting up, you know, and I'm also looking at affiliating with the university so that so that um so that I can be supported and it can be it can be under that umbrella. So so it's exciting, but it just takes time. And I've just got to know that I've got to you know, I, I can't do more than I'm doing at the moment. Well, exactly. You're you're only one person and you've already had such an amazing effect on industry. And I'm sure everyone is very grateful for you. I know it's challenging at times, but I'm sure going forward, everybody wants the film and TV industry to be a safer place where yeah. people can feel comfortable. I mean, that's what I've been thinking the whole time after Weinstein. I just thought this industry needs to be more safe. People need to feel comfortable. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun, rewarding, creative. It's not supposed to be somewhere where we feel violated or uncomfortable. And it's great that you're creating that space where people can feel just more safe on set and this is it you know that there's because it really is a vocation in order to be an actor you know putting up with earning five to ten thousand pounds a year you know for years and years and years because it's so badly paid and you know that the idea that it is a vocation that people are drawn to it and can't do anything but it you know so in that place it's sort of like people overrode themselves and there wasn't they didn't there wasn't a sense they had autonomy about themselves you know, they'd override their own their own boundaries in order to please, in order to get the job, in order to say yes. And actually flipping that and going, this is a workplace, just like just mm -hmm. like working office is a workplace. And it doesn't. And the irony is it's supposed to be open and 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 creative and huggy and freely touchy. But actually, you know, my realization of actually it, it was it has been the most misogynistic, the, the most abusive industry. And again, it's redressing mm -hmm. that so that we both have the art that we create out there reflecting humanity back on itself being made in a really good way you mm -hmm. know and going, this is a workplace and therefore people should have autonomy over their own bodies they should have you know proper hr process put in place so that if something goes wrong there is a bog standard pathway to address that it's proper that you would have in any workplace and that's not actually and again just like the guidelines don't dumb down creativity they actually open up creativity is the same with just going this is a workplace and people should be able to work openly with respect so that we can all get on with everybody within their role working to the top of their game 
everybody working together to create the best art possible. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Ito O'Brien. I certainly learned a lot about intimacy coordination that I did not know before, and I hope you did too. If you'd like to see more about Ita's work, then just head to her website, www.itaobrien.com. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Our next one will be with Mina Maliva and Vasila Kazakova, a Bulgarian director duo. We will be talking about their new film, Women Do Cry, that will be featuring at the Cannes Film Festival this year. See you in the next one.